Hello and welcome to the first episode of the What Makes London podcast. I'm your host, Richard Ford. Today I had the pleasure of sitting down with Courtney Stash, owner of Lost Cycle Rhythm Writing Studio. Courtney shares her story and her refreshing perspective on personal fitness, what sets her studio apart, and what other local businesses in the London area continue to inspire her. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Attempt number two. <laughs> <laughs> Episode one, going well so far. Here with Courtney Stash from Lost Cycle uh, Rhythm Writing Studio in London. Um, so we're interested in your journey here, uh, talking on this podcast about what makes London what it is for certain people um, and what brings you back here after uh, the journey of your life so far. So. Yeah. Um, so I was I was born in Calgary, but I grew up in London. I came here when I was about three years old. And so I was raised in London, went to Saunders Secondary School. So I was a saver mm-hmm. um, and then moved on to go to Laurier to be a Golden Hawk and uh, go through university. Uh, went back to Western to get my uh, teaching certificate. So I am a certified teacher, not practicing, um, I guess in some ways. And then I moved on to go travel and eventually found my way to Toronto with the hopes of like really making it, finding something bigger and I guess figuring out what I wanted to do with my life, kind of that the all end all question. So my first job was working in a bridal salon, uh, selling high end wedding dresses. And I was there for about four years and then found my way to uh, an entrepreneur who was opening a rhythm writing studio. Um, So I took a class with her, was way in over my head, but thought, you know, maybe I could do this. I've always loved music. I danced growing up. Um, So the rhythm part was pretty natural to me. Um, So I learned what to do and then it was just executing it. So I worked there for about three years and then my boyfriend at the time, now husband, was like, well, why don't you just do your own thing? And, And we had talked about moving to London, coming back to my roots and... It was a very casual conversation, but then, you know, a week or two later that it started piecing together, um, you know, what would this look like? What would I call it? What would my logo be? And I just started taking those like little steps to figure out how I could get back here and, and how I could make this work. Very nice. And the compass logo, so. Yes. Yeah. The the star. I also have the compass tattoo, so it kind of fit my vibe too. Very cool. Very cool. I find it really interesting those like these big ideas always start coming from such like a relaxed and like a casual place. Yeah. Like just a low key conversation. But I find like that is kind of like the vibe that really lets your thoughts flow the most. Totally. Like, totally. Really, so. I feel like when you want to do something big, I always try to think of it like when you say something that sound, maybe sounds ridiculous to you, like I'm going to open my own spin studio. I now try to think of it as like, why not? Like, why couldn't you do that? And then thinking about the things of like, what would stop me from doing that? Okay, let's figure that out. So it was a lot of like, this is what I know. This is what I have to figure out. And, you know, the rest will follow. <laughs> Almost like getting out of your own way a little bit, right? Yeah. It seems so overwhelming. Like, Yeah. It's kind of like um, we were talking a little bit before the podcast, like, getting into whatever new fitness routine you're getting into. It's just just 
getting started and figuring out and just kind of getting over that like oh like oh should I do this like I don't think I can lift this much weight and like is this person looking at me funny am I doing this right I'm super nervous totally Um, it's like that imposter syndrome voice that tells you you can't do something or you're not doing it good enough you know I think we all kind of feel that way to an extent and and my mission with Lost was to create this place where people could come in and, and quickly figure out that like, no, I do belong here and I can do this rather than feeling like, you know, this is too intimidating. I don't look like everyone else. I wanted to squash that and bring it back to like really what it's all about for me. <laughs> okay. So after some technical difficulties, we are back. <laughs> we're going to try a different audio format here and see what happens. Yeah. So we're kind of talking about the vibe of your shop and, and what you're trying to achieve there. Um, that kind of overcoming the imposter syndrome of you know, like going to the gym for the first time. Yeah. And, you know, experiencing that kind of same parallel when you're opening your own business. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious, as you got your shop up and running, um, were you really settling in quickly or did you have to kind of overcome that feeling at the same time you're trying to like alleviate that yeah. for everybody else? I mean, I feel like I'll, I'll still kind of always be trying to alleviate that feeling. I do, I come across to people often as like very sure of myself, very confident in what I do. And I am, um, cause it is my baby, but, hmm. um, there's still always like those little, you know, hunch of like, well, what if I'm not doing this right? Or what if I'm not like delivering my message the way I want to? Um, but I found that it was easier when I thought about how I felt entering new fitness modalities and had to really think like a client. Um, you know, how would I feel walking into a space like this for the first time, trying a, a type of fitness I've never done? And what would I need in order to like feel like I belonged in this space? So a lot of it was like going back to the groundwork and, and thinking about like, who am I trying to talk to? What do I want to say? And what would I need as a client to, to feel safe and welcome in a space like this? Very cool. Very cool. And you've got that vibe down. Like it's very comfortable from the onset. Like I remember my first class coming in (laughs) and like I was having a rough day that day. Was it due to our parking? (laughs) No, no. The the parking and and traffic in London in general is like, I feel like I'm kind of like conditioned, like a slow sandpaper. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I was just like, I had committed and I think I had to bail on one class for Amy before. So I was like, I am not like bailing on this class again yeah but even like I felt like crap when I came in but you have like the, the nice little candles going up yeah. the stairs uh like it's really like nice and like it's you've really balanced that like it's a clean but it's a warm yeah. um you know the staff were great like helping me with my shoes I'm clip-clopping in yeah <laughs> I don't know how to get my foot in the thing yeah and, and so yeah, but it, it was awesome. Like, everybody there has got a really, like, warm vibe. It's really welcoming. Oh, I love hearing um, that. Yeah, so it was great. Um, and that kind of brings me along. If As you establish yourself more and more and become more busy, mm-hmm. like, every, I think I've gone and had a different instructor almost every time that I've gone. Yeah, there's um, a lot of us now. A lot of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember, uh, like, my last class was with Daniel uh, right before he left. Yeah. And I still have one of his pump-up songs, like, on my Oh, I love that. So. <laughs> um, but, like, what do you do? Like, you've, you've kind of got your vibe established now. Yeah. Uh, and, like, how do you find bringing staff members on like that kind of have that same kind of vibe, have the same kind of passion? Like, yeah. what, what, uh, what do you do for that? 
That's a good question. We, I mean, I feel like when you build something that you're passionate about and you you put it out there, what you stand for, you often attract the the type of people that you want to be around. Um, so that kind of helps it. But I think when people ride our classes and spend time in loss, they kind of see like what we're about and and what we're not about. More importantly, so. Often when we get new staff members, it's a it's a pretty easy transition. Um, they see that you know we're not marketing about weight loss programs, we're not marketing about calories or anything like that. So, if there ever is a question, you know we we kind of show them what we're about through our classes and through our mission statement. And um, usually people come to us with I don't know their own personal experience of whether good or bad in fitness. And and often our instructors have a story themselves that they have to tell, you know, they, they might have come from a different modality that like really broke them and now they're here to try something new. They might've had, you know, a bad experience in another form of fitness and now they wanna like rise up from it. It could be, you know, multiple different things. And I think it brings us together that we can all bond as a staff with the same goal of like making fitness fun and accessible and inclusive, most importantly. Very cool. And do you find like, is it more like somebody will come to a class and they, they kind of get the vibe of the studio, they show up a few times and then they, yeah. you start talking to them like, well, what do you think about teaching a class? Or Honestly, that's kind of exactly how it happens. Um, we actually were lucky that we had so much interest in becoming instructors that we had to host two rounds of auditions. We've done two now. We had over 20 people in both of them. Um, just all these people wanting to do what we're doing, which is so cool. I don't think I'll ever get over that. Like people want to work with me. What? So I love that. And you can really start to see when people explain like why they want to do it. You can really start to figure out, okay, who's aligning with what we're doing here and, and who maybe needs a little bit more time to ride and, and figure that out. A lot of things I look for is, the passion and what their values are versus like can they do this physically that we can teach Mm -hmm. but as long as they have a similar mindset or passion towards helping others then you know we got something to work with but it does happen like that sometimes i'll see a rider pretty often and i'll i'll notice that they're you know really killing it and maybe then it's a conversation of like have you ever thought about being the one up on the podium and yeah. sometimes people are like what no like <laughs> not not a chance but often those are the people who end up maybe a few months later auditioning so yeah they've got to overcome that same yeah. imposter syndrome and get up there totally and I imagine it's it's got to be a whole other thing it's like I I sit on my bike and like, more often than I like, probably when I should be standing still sitting yeah, yeah. and I'm thinking to myself I'm like how is this person up there absolutely killing it yeah and shouting at me and managing a playlist yeah and like it is a lot yeah it's so much to do so it, yeah. it's super impressive like, thank you yeah it does take it's it's truly we call it with our instructors we we call it a performance because it really is and I feel like I've been performing my whole life like I was a pretty adventurous kid I loved putting on like little shows for my parents and I'm sure they loved it too um (laughs) but I loved the aspect of performing and I loved the idea of like 
bringing people together through like my energy and my experience and and fitness and spin just kind of married those two together I realized that like hey I got a good ear for music and you know the cardio doesn't seem to be an issue since I was a runner before Mm -hmm. so it it really is a performance you're you're thinking about like what you want to say like what you're going to do with your tracks what's the lighting going to look like at Mm -hmm. what point in the class do you want to do xyz you know so it it really is like you feel like a little bit like you're about to put on a show each time and do you do you just kind of like go with the flow and like feel it out or do you have like you pre-plan like pretty heavily for your Uh, weeks and different themes a little bit of both like there's definitely things that you need to know where you're going um we often refer to it as a journey at loss so like Mm -hmm. from in within your 50 minutes 50 minutes you're you're you know starting somewhere you're going somewhere there's peaks there's valleys um Mm -hmm. and so a lot of that is like we're taking you on our journey that we've created so we know where we're going i don't always know exactly what that's going to look like much like life um but we kind of figure it out along the way so you can pre-plan a class to be like in your mind the coolest strongest class but you might get a class where there's a lot of new riders you might get a class where people are just tired today kind of thing and and you have to really work with where your people are at to make that experience happen right on and you've got a few different kinds of classes too like you've got um a few different like themes that you go with yeah Um, you have the uh, like the charitable contributions class that you guys do yeah Uh, can you tell us a little bit more Yeah. So our Karma Ride is our donation-based class. And this started uh, during COVID. We wanted to offer um, some kind of class option that was going to be more financially accessible to people. So we didn't want to do it free, uh, but we wanted to offer something that would bring in people that may not be able to, you know, afford a $200 membership a month. Like that's a lot of money. Um, but I wanted to be able to reach those people. So we thought of offering this donation-based class and I wanted to make sure that we were not just taking that money and profiting. Like, why can't we do more with this? So Mm -hmm. it started with conversations of like, what kind of organizations can we get on board with us that we can donate these funds to? So not only are people getting to ride at a price point that works for them but also they get to feel good about like giving their donation to an organization that they might feel passionate about or learn about so we've worked with I think five or six different local organizations now we're currently working with big brothers big sisters mm-hmm. um so every month we host our karma ride and you can ride for as little as five dollars or up to $25 and all of those proceeds go directly to them every month. We send them our money and they're just over the moon that like we're doing this and I just want to do more of it really. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how inspiring that kind of like charitable and community work can be like volunteerism and and charity is one of those things I, you know, I talked to a bunch of people, especially through COVID. Yeah. um, And they're just looking for like, you know, everybody got a little down in the dumps, you know, we didn't quite flatten that curve in two weeks like we were hoping to. Yeah. So, <laughs> Dang. Uh, yeah, sure, right? Um, but, uh, 
it, it, it's, it's uplifting and finding ways that you can give back and donate the time was yeah. a really key thing for a lot of folks in that time. So totally. Um, and, and it's, it's hard, um, trying to get yourself into a routine that like you can, you can commit to that you can feel good about that's hard enough. And, and financial accessibility is a huge factor for a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, which is, I think why, you know, a lot of people end up in, in something that's like inexpensive but accessible and I thought like why can't we offer this even on a small scale for now mm-hmm. while we're still recovering from COVID we need to be able to help people is ultimately what I wanted to do and I love that it's bringing in people I love that people are discovering us because of the karma ride and now we have all these organizations that get to grow and change and adapt too with with our support well, that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of those things I've found in my own personal fitness journey um, over years was it, there's this real barrier in terms of price. Yeah. Um, so you've got a lot of like the premium gyms, like um, it was Athletic Club, then Turnbull yeah. Body. Athletic or, Club, OG. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, back in uh, Brantford, where I grew up is when I joined there. And yeah. Then, um, but even then it was like, I was working my part-time job, like just to maintain my gym membership. And totally. like, I got obsessed and it's it, one of my personality traits where I just do. So I just mm-hmm. go in, I got obsessed. I learned, I made my mistakes, but I just kind of figured it out the hard way. But yeah. that kind of financial barrier for a lot of people, uh, kind of is a big, a huge contributor to washout as well. Totally. So you're, you're either going to spend all of your money trying to go to this big premium gym and yeah. You don't get the help you need or you're going to go the opposite way and go to a budget gym and you're going to yeah. go like, you know, maybe like the barbells rusty. And yeah. You gotta make yeah. sure you got your tennis shop before you yeah. <laughs> And like it's run by like a staff member that doesn't care. They're, yeah. They're not there for, for your journey. They're not even hardly there for their own like sometimes. Yeah. So um, it's very cool that you guys were able to kind of match that up with a, a guided exercise, make yeah. it charitable, make it available. Like, that, that's like a very all-encompassing community aspect. Yeah, it? It, it, it's like been a passion of mine that I don't want Lost Cycle, or I'd never wanted Lost Cycle to be like this exclusive club. Um, you know, it, it can feel that way in a lot of big cities mm-hmm. uh, like Toronto where um, you, you recognize that things are really nice in there and like, you know, these studios that have you know, all white walls and like the marble countertop desk. And it just, it feels intimidating. You, you walk in and you're like, oh my God, I don't belong here, you know? And so I wanted to make sure that in, in so many different aspects, we were hitting that mark that, you know, we are more expensive than say a gym membership, but Hey, you're not just getting access to equipment we are trained coaches who are going to support you along the way mm-hmm. we have options that are more affordable our merch is affordable like everything we try to do we try to make it accessible as we can yeah well, that's awesome and, and understandably you've got to run a business and keep the doors yeah, open but yeah. it, it's one of those things with a niche training environment like you have like that's you know you're going there for that yeah. specific thing and it's awesome. And it's never been a place where I've gone in where you can find some of these niche gyms where it's like you walk in with like a set of running shoes from yeah. like last year's edition of yeah. like A6 or Sacconi or whatever. And yeah. like, oh, no, like people shaking their head. Yeah. Again, giving what you is like he doing? Looks. Yeah. Like, Why is he breathing that way? When he, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, it's I, I think I like recognize that 
that that is the norm right like we're all just trying to figure this out we're all trying to figure out where we feel comfortable where we belong and like fitness is hard enough already you know Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to move your body in a way that you're actually excited about is an is a big enough task as it is so I wanted to make sure that like that aspect we could like ease people into a lot easier like you should not feel like you have to wear a certain outfit to come to Lost Cycle. And -hmm. if you do feel that way, you're going to learn very quickly that none of that matters. You know, the way people help each other out, the way riders are helping new riders clip in, like that is what Lost Cycle is about. Very cool. And I remember um, Amy, my wife, she had a foot reconstruction surgery and even had a conversation with you as far yeah. as like, let me see if I can accommodate a pedal where your air cast can clip yeah. in. And I'm sitting over here like, uh, okay. Honestly, that, <laughs> I remember that message. And I remember thinking for like a hot second, like, could we do this? And then thinking like, wait a minute, no. Amy's going to need like ankle mobility for this class. From a safety perspective, it's a no. But I was like, that kind of mindset is what this is about. Mm-hmm. Like, I want people to feel like, you know, I got to get back to loss, not because of like the fitness element, but because of how they feel when they walk out of that place where they're like riding that high from such a good class and mm-hmm. they meet awesome people. And, and there's such a bigger piece to it than just, you know, working out. Yeah. You're over overcoming barriers, like yeah. having like an increase of confidence, like that acceptance and that community and mm-hmm. then you take that back out into your community yeah which is a huge contributing factor i think for me and in, in my opinion where you can send that positive energy back out totally. and that's the kind of thing that makes a place like london uh, and its community special you, you, know, yeah. you see a lot of that like positive and like, people want to share that kind of energy mm-hmm. right yeah so. i i love when people are like willing to you know, take their experience and help others or, you know, bring new friends who are new to spin that like are stepping into that pool as well. It's, it's really cool to see our community really be our influencers. Like they are like everyone who rides at Lost in some capacity has like helped us get to where we are because they're telling their friends, they're bringing another person, they're you know, putting in the good word for us. So it's, it's really cool to see that, that kind of concept. Like if you build it, they will come. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, there was days when we had like two, three people in our classes and eventually it just grew. And those people tell those people and Mm -hmm. on it goes. Going from two people to like, now you can get on a a wait list and and hopefully a bike will open up. Yeah. And if you can find a parking spot on Gordon Ave, then like you can come (laughs) in. (laughs) That's fantastic. Well, we would ride our bikes to go and then ride our bikes. With yeah, you, you know what? <laughs> Cycling to Lost would be the best move, I think, for most people. <laughs> yeah. So where where do you see Lost? You know, what's your, your five-year vision for Lost? Like, you're here now. Yeah. You're, you're fresh out of COVID. Everything's kind of recovering. Um, you know, you've got your army of riders out there, and mm. they're doing all the, the marketing and pushing yeah. the shop for you. It's seems like it's like it's blowing up so what, what do you think you're gonna do from here you know what sky is the limit is my like kind of mantra with it when mm-hmm. I had started lost um and I was getting a loan from the bank they were like tell us what you're where you're gonna be in five years and I was like oh my god like who knows you know like I have no idea 
Um, and it was hard for me to even think that far ahead because I hadn't seen Lost in action yet. Like I, I just couldn't picture what it would look like. And now I look at it and I'm like, it's still hard to picture because there's so many ideas um, that I start thinking of. And I would love to have multiple studios. I would love to expand Lost to other regions of Ontario. Um, maybe have like a North, North Ontario uh, location one day. Um, I'd love to bring the concept of what we're offering to more places and and whether that is Lost Cycle Studios or other business owners like reaching out to me to get advice on how to like create the community that we've we've done so far so I I think in five years I would love to see you know like at least a few locations I think that's aiming high but I feel like you gotta aim high yeah um and and not for like a profit sense, but for, I really want to see the fitness industry change. And I think we're doing a really good job at taking those baby steps and showing people that like fitness doesn't have to be the way it was 10, Mm -hmm. 15 years ago. We can move on from that now. Like let's focus on, you know, what makes us feel good? What works for our life? What do we love doing? You know, a lot of us have to get back to like our childhood and be like what did we love doing like running around riding bikes and like it can be that simple but now we're gonna incorporate music with it that you love and that's gonna get you psyched to do it so I'd love to see more in five years I guess the industry changing a little bit and I would love to be able to say that like lost has been a huge impact on that industry change well it it's got all the right foundations to do that and and I love that kind of vibe that you bring to fitness because you see so many different like fitness campaigns and mm-hmm. diet campaigns and companies out there. Like, you know, you've got, um, you know, they're trying to say like, oh, we're going to change the face of fitness and the vibe of fitness. Yeah. And you don't have to worry. And then every advertisement's like, I lost yes. 20 pounds with blah, blah. Yes. And you're like, oh, okay. So we're still on that same vibe. That That so. is the biggest thing I see. Um, and I think I'm hyper aware of it for our, my own studio is that I don't want to be a company that's saying one thing, but then doing another thing. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I believe in staying true to what you say and follow through. And a lot of that I, I do see, unfortunately still out there that, yeah, there's like places that are like, you know, everyone's welcome here, but like, we're starting a six week shred and we're going to take your body measurements. And I'm just like, Oh, Mm -hmm. um, cause I want, I guess my personal goal is that I want people to see that like really at the end of the day, none of that matters. If you're on your deathbed one day, no one's coming up to you being like, congratulations on weighing X amount of weight. You know, no, that's yeah. not happening. Yeah, you never see that on a headstone. No. Like, uh, so-and-so lived a great life, yeah. lost 30 pounds <laughs> using this service. Like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I want to help people see that like, the way you look is just a small piece of who you are. Mm-hmm. It can you have so much more to offer, and maybe when people see that they can like do a fifty minute class or you know work out a few times a week, they they'll find those goals that are so different than you know just trying to fit into an aesthetic mold that mm-hmm. society has created for us. Yeah. You know, like we can't win, so why don't you just you know 
find find what works for you and what makes you feel good is always my my driver. That's a beautiful thing. You you almost have to start with the heart, right? Like, yeah. Because you can go and you know you can lose twenty pounds or thirty pounds or whatever, and there's always totally. somebody's version of what you should look like or what you should do different and yeah. this and that. But you know, at the end of the day, you've got to leave the gym feeling good about yourself, feeling good totally. about what you've done, and like that's what's going to get you to go back it's like yeah you actually like it's touched your spirit a little yeah bit, so. you know it's so true because I don't I think that like most people could agree that you know like if you if you can go up the stairs and like you're not as out of breath as you were a few weeks ago like that's a win right there you mm-hmm. know or if you can walk around your block and feel like you could do that three more times in a couple of weeks like that's a win as well mm-hmm. um you know, you're never going to win the game of trying to like look the part because there is no definitive look. So you could spend your whole life trying to fit into that box, but you're never really going to because you're always going to be too much of something and not enough of something else. So I look at it as like, fuck it. Let's run with what makes me feel good. What makes me feel like I can do anything and and tap into that people have so much more to offer than what they look like <laughs> yeah that's beautiful and like having somebody's spirit like be what like represents your studio yeah. as opposed to like oh i've like finally fit into this like body metric yeah. and, you know like but i'll never actually be there because i've just been programmed that uh there's always something next to yeah. do and there's always something more i need and yeah. you know, i'm not gonna get it unless i take this supplement it's like you can just kind of come in and yeah. ride and feel good and have a good vibe and yeah. be happy and then go back and take that into the community and, it's so true we gotta yeah. like stop trying so hard and just like let things happen you know it's it's it translates into other aspects of our lives too. Often when you stop trying so hard, things like start to fall into place, right? Mm-hmm. So, and fitness is not too far off of that same concept. You know, you gotta, you just gotta let yourself be in the moment, be in the experience day to day. Like I always, I often say, I should say in my classes that I want to get people out of like ticking boxes. Like they had to do a spin class today, boom, done. Like I don't, Mm -hmm. I want people to want to be there. And if there's a day that you don't want to be there, take the day off, you know, Mm -hmm. nothing's going to happen, you know, like you'll be okay. You can come back tomorrow. Um, I don't want to promote a a culture of hustle and like working yourself to the bone. You know, it's, it's gotta be balanced. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, spinning twice a week, three times a week. If you want to ride seven times a week, awesome. But mm-hmm. it doesn't make you any better or less than anyone else. Yeah, that's killer. Mm-hmm. Love that. <laughs> Thank you. So um, I guess I, I'm interested in diving into a bit more about um, how London is kind of inspiring you, like that, how that London community came together for you. Um, yeah. And what at the end of the day about London like you know you had the conversation from Toronto moving back uh was there like a certain thing about the city that really kind of like got you back and was like you know this is it for sure um let's Uh, go I think what was appealing to me about London is that it, it it is smaller than Toronto um and, and slightly more affordable. I got to be careful how I say that now because London is growing and the housing market would speak a very different tune. Um, mm-hmm. But I loved the idea that there, there was less of the hustle culture, less of the competitive culture, and 
more family oriented, more community oriented, you know, growing up in London, like Londoners are diehard for things. Like we don't let go. Like mm-hmm. we hold on to things. We still, you know, reference the ice house, like things yeah. like that. You know, we're very traditional. And I knew my struggle would be coming in with a brand new fitness modality to a lot of people, even though rhythm riding has existed for years. Um, I knew there would be a struggle to introduce people because London is so good at, you know, dedicating themselves to local businesses. Mm -hmm. But when something's new, it's a little scary. So I liked the appeal that the scale of everything would be a little different. Um, You know, people here are not so caught up in that competitive element that big cities kind of instigate Mm -hmm. and I loved that I could be the first to show people what rhythm riding is in a way that I feel like it should be shown Um, it's hard to do that when you're a big multi-million dollar company and you've done everything you've done for however many years Mm -hmm. you're just kind of like we're gonna do it again I knew that like London was special and that if if they're going to be introduced to rhythm riding, I want to be the one to do it so that I can walk them through it and show them that it's not scary. We can all do this and we're going to have a friggin' party doing it. Yeah. That's awesome. And London does show up like, yes, no matter what the initiative is, no matter what, like you, you see, um, somebody has some medical issues and you you see the GoFundMe for that. And, and all of a sudden it's, you know, this family needs help supporting their income, like two kids, uh, mom's at home trying to hold things together. Dad's in the hospital, and London shows up like blowing totally. goals out of the water. Like we, need- it's so true. That's such a good point. I, the one of the biggest things I noticed moving here was that in Toronto, and I feel like I'm not shitting on Toronto. I'm trying not to shit on Toronto. Yeah. I love Toronto so much, um, but there is more of that competitive edge where when you're talking to other business owners, it, there is a sense of like. I'll help you out, but like, I don't want to help you out too much that you're going to be better than me. Whereas Mm -hmm. in London, as soon as I got here, business owners were reaching out to me being like, Hey, you know, this is what we do over here. Come check out our classes. Like, we'd love to see what you do. And there was this very different sense of like people trying to help each other out and recognizing that like we can all exist in this sandbox and we can all help each other it doesn't have to be like one of us has to go and i loved that yeah there's not like that like peck and paw kind of like absolute like i need to dominate this market yeah there's like the community vibe like and i I very much live on this philosophy of like the tide rises all ships right yeah so the better we can all do the better we can all do right so um, that's so true yeah, yeah. I, I love that and I, I feel that vibe in London it's what's kept me here um, yeah moved here for college and stuck around and you know I, it took me so long to put a finger on it yeah but that that is a great kind of way to do it like to, to express it is like everybody just kind of shows up and supports and, they do yeah. yeah Londoners go hard for each other in in such cool ways mm-hmm. um And yeah, I mean, I was afraid that people were going to be like, who is this girl? She's coming in from a bigger city, bringing this new style of riding. Like we're used to sitting on our seats on bikes, you know, like what's Mm -hmm. going on? Um, So I knew I'd have like some challenges there, but I I was really confident that once I just show people what I'm about and like what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do here, like just 
get on board with me. I promise we're going to have the greatest time. It's yeah. kind of my philosophy. And that's what sets you apart from like the good lifespan class that's yeah. pre-recorded on a 52-inch TV yeah. where you're like one of four people that you don't know. Like you've yeah. got that community vibe and, and London's come up for you. And Yeah, they really have. And you know what? Like I, I knew that I'm never really afraid of competition. Like there's always like elements of nerves that, you know, other things could come in and maybe they'll do something really cool. But I don't get too afraid of competition because I know that like no one can teach a class the same way I do because they're not me. And Mm -hmm. that's what I love about my team is that they all offer something so different and someone could come and pop up another spin studio and copy everything we do, but it still would not be lost cycle because we're so unique. Like we're unique individuals that have a story to tell and a message to deliver and Mm -hmm. you can't mimic that. And yeah, like you can't go to, you know, a bigger industry gym and expect to get that, you know, intimate experience. So I think that's what sets us apart for sure. Yeah. You've got that personality and, and it, it lends back to that easy going vibe. It's like there's, you, you never walk into your gym and feel like you're in competition with the person next yeah. to you on the bike or you're all just holding each other up. And totally like I think you've really inserted that vibe into your place. Yeah, thank you. We try to because I know there's like a lot of stigma with uh, fitness instructors in really like most types of fitness where they're perceived as like this person on a pedestal and that you know they're godly and like we got to look up to them and I was like this is crazy like I am Mm -hmm. no different than anyone else in a sense you know I'm I still have the same anxieties and fears as a lot of other people Um, I'm just doing what I know how to do and what I'm really passionate about the same way people work in their own jobs and start their own businesses we all have such a cool talent to offer and I feel like mine just happens to be putting a mic on my head, apparently. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, and, and it's a nice vibe. Like, I've been to lots of gyms, and, you know, like, you get in there, and they set you up with your trainer, and then they try to market you the, the program. And, yeah. hey, would you like to come do this yeah. seven times a month with Billy Biceps? Yeah. And, you know, and you're going to look great in your T-shirt. And, like, yeah. if I, you know, and it's a, the total opposite vibe. Like, you've just, like, I was brought to your gym through Amy who was brought yeah. to your gym through a friend and you was just always just like smiles thanks for coming welcome yeah and, and that that beautiful kind of vibe that like keeps you coming yeah. back right well we are like a family and you're you know you're with any business you're only as strong as your community you know it, that that's what keeps your lights on that's what mm-hmm. keeps you able to pay employees so you know I never wanted people to feel like they were just you know showing up and leaving and that's it like I want to make sure people know that I saw you come in I want to try to say hi to as many people um I want to make sure that they knew that like by them being there it meant something that you're not just like another swipe in the door you know like you're you matter like Mm -hmm. you existing on that bike is important so we really try to run with that and I I feel like our team really appreciates people showing up because they look at it as like hey like all these people got out of bed for 7 a.m. to take my class. Like, that's pretty friggin' cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that community-first business model is, uh, 
really a thing that kind of sets you apart to me in my yeah. eyes because you know a lot of businesses are their business first and like it, you can't really fault them for having that perspective but you know yeah. it doesn't have that same kind of character whereas you come with the character you you have Thank that you. community vibe and I think that community is what makes your business special. Yeah, thank you. I mean, our community is everything. Like on our social media, we're always like, our community, our community, because it really is all about the people that make Lost what it is. You know, we're, our staff makes, you know, sets the tone and the community fills in the rest. You know, like the, mm-hmm. we would be nothing without the people who ride there. So mm-hmm. it's so important that we're listening to what they want and what they're looking for. And I, I think the default for a lot of gyms is to just tell people what they need. So, which mm-hmm. often results in being like programs that are way too extreme or not accessible to everyone. And they're telling people what they should want versus giving people an opportunity to kind of discover what they like or what are they good at? What do they feel during it? Yeah, I love that. And with that, through that connection to your community here in London, what are, uh, I'm curious, what are some of the other local community spots that have really kind of given you that inspiration and that yeah. you still look to for insp- inspiration in London? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I there's a lot of local businesses and organizations I love in this city. Um, w- the things I noticed a lot early on were, um, a lot of outdoor workouts during COVID, like these, like people rallying together for like boot camps outside, stroller workouts, and you know, like uh, I, I can't remember which gym it was doing, but they had like all their equipment outside and doing basically like CrossFit in a parking lot. And seeing all of that made me realize like we're all kind of like here for similar reasons. We're trying to help others and. So I look to those gyms because it shows that like this isn't necessarily about our brand. It's about helping people, you know, stay together during like rough times. So COVID was actually like a good eye opener to see like how businesses were pivoting, how they took care of their clients and then allowed us to be able to do the same. So I'm I'm super inspired by local entrepreneurs. I have to give a shout out to my girl Nicole who started her own scrunchy business um, called Hair Strong Band and mm-hmm. she's a female entrepreneur and she's just rocking the shit out of it. Um, so I love looking to see what she's doing for inspiration. Um, I love going to different yoga studios around this city. I love Shangri-La. I love uh, Yoga Shack downtown. Um, you know, I try to I try to explore as many as I can. I I got my ass handed to me at Movement and OEV, <laughs> yeah. but I still love them, um, and they're great. And they all kind of have, you know, a similar thing to us in that. They really care about their customers. So I love seeing other businesses that are, you know, doing the work to make sure they're taking care of their people. So I love I love looking to those businesses, seeing how they're doing. And the food here. <laughs> yeah, the food is definitely been coming up in London. It and is. I'm, I'm very happy about that. Yeah, it was an, I was nervous coming to London from Toronto because Toronto's got great food. But mm-hmm. honestly, here, yeah, we have like sidetracks killing it in wartley mm-hmm. um boxcar donuts uh the cookie place 
We could do a whole separate episode just <laughs> about the cookie place. I'm obsessed. I might be their number one customer. If they want to sponsor me or I just like work <laughs> or I just work for free for them, like done. Paid in cookies. Yeah. There you go. I would totally do that. I love them. They're so good. Um, Oz and Oaks, they, uh, Erica, the owner, she's amazing. She rides at Lost. Uh, she's really like killing it. Her her clothing, her marketing, it's just amazing. And I love seeing these other people that, you know, either grew up in London or found their way to London. And mm-hmm. I'm like, man, this person's like killing it. Like, I want to do that too. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I love that about London is you can look around and see a lot of like young entrepreneurs and like, there's yeah. a lot of people out there, like speaking a sidetrack. Um, yeah. Uh, we have a connection to Richie. Um, I, I have that through Amy. And yeah. every time I get to like have a few moments with that guy or see what he's doing, I, I'm pretty constantly inspired by that. Yeah. Um, his project around urban farming and uh, really utilizing these like urban spaces that are just kind of sitting there as empty lots. Yeah. That I, I found that hugely inspiring. So cool. It's so cool to see how people are taking taking not only a business but like using an opportunity to really like educate people on different ways of doing things Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what I try to like mimic too is that like you don't have to just make fitness about like ticking a box every day it can be so much more than that like you could actually be excited to do a form of fitness Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be like the 90s where you were just like making it work to make it work, you know? Yeah, like you going to actually, put in your time, Yeah, right? like yeah. you could love it. You can actually love it. Mm-hmm. And I think people are slowly realizing that like that can be in all aspects of our lives. Like we just need to get creative and, and tap into that creativity. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that about London entrepreneurs as well. Like it seems to me, one of, one of the things I started noticing really early on is London is like the biggest small town you've ever been to. It is. So like it everybody is. knows somebody that knows somebody and like the yeah. next thing you know, here you are like, you, and you've got all these people, like you said, lifting each other up, being yeah. inspirational and like stepping outside of the box and, yeah. and like what kind of ideas can uh, I make work for this community. Yeah. And, and it's really like you see a lot of that success is people leaning into the community mm-hmm. and it's almost like it's not like what can this community do for me and like what can I get out of this community yeah. that you find in the like the mission statements and just the overall vibe of these places it's yeah what can I do for my community through my business totally that's going to bring something original and positive and inspirational to people oh totally totally like I, I used to joke that like no one really gets into fitness to make money <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, it's it's not the highest profiting industry for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, instructors are making a decent amount of money for the class that they're teaching, but like you can only teach so many times a week. So if if people are in fitness as their career path, I truly believe that like there must be something in them that's bigger than just wanting to make money. Because if you wanted to make money, you could get a nine to five job and like mm-hmm. put your time in. I could have become a teacher, you know, like there's there's ways to find that comfort. But I, I tell my class, like I'm here for you, you know, like this is this is the Courtney show to an extent, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm here for you. So if you don't like something, I need to know so that I can cater to what you're looking for. 
Yeah. And I think that's, it's cool that you've taken that education background and you've mm. taken that and combined it with a passion and like a little bit of business acumen and you've brought yeah. something together that is really awesome and really unique and inspiring yeah, in this community. Thank you. I try to, I try to tell people often, especially because we get a lot of young riders and, and students and, I often try to, if I can tell them one thing, I'm like, don't feel trapped in what you're in school for, you know, like, don't feel like just because you're in kinesiology, you got to pursue that. Like, Mm -hmm. I have my teaching certificate, let's all just abandon our certificates and like go in other directions, you know, like, it's, you're not trapped, you're never trapped. If you want to change your career path at 30, 35, 40, whatever, you can, like, no one's stopping you, you just got to really like, believe that you're on that path for a reason and I think it's crazy that as society we're expected to have that figured out at like what 18 19 like Mm -hmm. 18 year old Courtney had no idea what she was doing you know so well I found myself kind of in that same place like my my year was the first year where they took out uh, OIC I think it was called yeah like our grade 13 or whatever your version of that is and you know I took the victory lap and you know I thought I was going to go into a, a kin background. Actually, I had yeah. a lot of health and fitness and kin in my uh, my prep courses, but you know I ended up abandoning that. I went to Fanshawe for Police Foundations, oh. and then I have done I don't maybe like a hundred different things. Yeah. It feels like ever since then, and you know I really only started kind of discovering myself and what I was really passionate about. I don't know. I would say maybe five years ago at the yeah. most like in, in well into my 30s that so. honestly that's like the same timeline for me too mm-hmm. um I totally thought I was just going to be a teacher fitness for me in my 20s was like non-existent um I was a runner first so I would have never thought that fitness would become a career path for me in any realm respect whatsoever Mm -hmm. but I think yeah the more you get to know who you are and what you care about and what makes you tick and what gets you up every day that also kind of like directs you where you need to go Mm -hmm. um so I feel like I leaned more into like the idea of what do I want my life to look like and I knew pretty early on I couldn't hack a nine to five I just It was really hard for me to get up and do the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. And I loved the idea that maybe I could create my own schedule. Maybe I could do something that I love doing and actually like make enough money to like keep a roof over my head. Maybe I could do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's where it starts is figuring out like who, who are you? What do you love to do? What lights that fire? And then running with that instead of running with like, I wanna make $75,000 a year type thing. If Mm -hmm. we run with the first one, we're going to get somewhere. If you're only looking at how to get money into your bank account, then like you might not end up doing something you're passionate about. Yeah. I think money motivates people, but I don't think it really inspires people. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And and it's interesting. You kind of talk about that journey and and finding yourself and and kind of growing into discovering who you are. It's, It's almost a little ironic that you went on that journey and you found yourself lost lost. yeah (laughs) yeah it's true like and lost is kind of an interesting like name in itself because I guess like I I felt lost most of my 20s I did the like 
quintessential backpacker thing. Like when I was 24, I took off and I went to Australia. I traveled Southeast Asia. I was in Fiji and Bali and Vietnam and all Mm -hmm. of that. And I felt very lost. Like I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't really know what I was passionate about. Um, And I felt like it was such a bad thing. And then I realized like by being on that journey, I started to discover what I was passionate about. I was starting to tap into the fact that music was so important to me. Wasn't Mm. sure how I was going to integrate that into my life, but I knew it was important to me. And then slowly started to piece things together. Like, okay, I love moving. I love moving and music. Like, what can I do with this? Um, So I wanted to make Lost kind of like this concept where it's not a bad thing like it's okay to be lost it's okay to not know where you're going Mm because maybe you're going to find that answer in that room maybe mid-sprint you're going to be like oh I need to like go in this direction so I like the idea that like you're lost which is typically seen as like a bad thing Mm -hmm. and with us it's it's a great thing you're lost in the music you're lost in your own moment and energy yeah and it's almost like a bit of a surrender right like yeah. you kind of have to like surrender a bit of yourself and be vulnerable and be open and be just like willing to accept that kind of like good energy in yeah and i find that like those are those kinds of moments where that those aha moments happen yes. right? like you're saying like middle of a sprint you've been like stressing at work all week you've been grinding on the nine to five and you're just on that bike and then you've you're surrounded by the people that make you feel good yeah make you feel like your best self and then all of a sudden there's yeah yeah there it is it's true I often like a lot of a lot of the time I say you got to trust yourself Mm -hmm. so when those ideas come to people or you're like hey like if someone's like I want to start my own cafe I want to like create my own coffee shop in this local area and this is what I'm going to sell I always like to think of the concept of like why can't you and then figure out what those barriers are whether it's financing whether it's knowledge and and those can be sought out one Mm -hmm. way or another um but why couldn't you do it as you as you are you know like what is stopping you and you got to trust yourself you really do that like i can do this because many entrepreneurs wouldn't be where they are if they didn't at some point say like okay I can do this mm-hmm. I also believe in that sometimes you got to fake it till you make it and the more you start to like say that you can do these things the more you'll start to believe it you've mm-hmm. got to give yourself that like pump up speech that you know Eminem lose yourself in the car moment yeah, yeah. that like I can do this I know what I'm doing so yeah give yourself the credit to go out there and yeah. try and like and you could do something a hundred times. You're still not going to get it right. I totally. Mean, how many times did we start recording this podcast? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what? And that's yeah. what it's all about is like when you fall, like how do you get up? You know, like it's okay to like stumble. Everyone's stumbling through life. We're all just figuring it out. No one is the expert on anything. There's always going to be someone that knows more than you. But if you trust that what you're doing is really good for someone or something, Mm -hmm. then it's going to be successful. You just got to lean into that and try to quiet those voices that are like, well, I'm not as good as this person. I'm not as strong as this. You know, like it's like that society conversation. You're never going to win. So the more you can trust what you're doing, I think that's that's like the secret sauce. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I know 
what the rest of your day is looking like. I don't want to take up uh, oh, an that's entire okay. day for you. I got you, time. But is there anything that you want to like maybe leave off with or, you know, yeah. kinda, like a, what your your big message to folks? I mean, we've kind of talked about a lot of inspirational stuff. Yeah. In your life, but like if you had to leave a, like a closing thought, what do you think? Like what's Ooh, your message okay. out to the no city of pressure. London? No pressure to the city of London. I think my my biggest message would be like leading with the concept of why not you. We mm-hmm. look at each other's social media and we see the way people are living and there's this element of envying what other people have. And I like to look back and be like, why can't you have that? Mm-hmm. So that person looks happy, why can't you be happy? Um, and I like to run with that idea that, you know, like what we're doing is for everyone in the sense that, you know, it, it might not be rhythm riding. It might be something else, but it can be you. You, Everyone deserves that happiness. Everyone deserves to feel good in their skin. And we need to just st- like stop with the expectations and go back to the basics. You know, what do you love doing? And why don't you deserve to have what someone else has? I think we can go a long way with that kind of mindset that like I deserve what I want and, and run with it and to see that most people are just trying to help one another. And I know like it can feel like you're competing with people, but you're not, you know, we're all just trying to figure it out. So I, I like people to just trust themselves, dive into yourself, you know, be your biggest fan. I often say I'm my own biggest fan and I wish everyone could do that too. I think that's amazing. (laughs) And I think you, have to be the poster child for that yeah. so far you're out there you're killing it and Thank you. i'm absolutely blown away by the the vibe i lost and i'm so appreciative of you coming in and thank you for so, having me this is so cool uh, it was awesome so yeah wonderful well killer we did it yes guys were awesome <laughs> it was so cool it, didn't we?